Welcome to Made for Profit, a podcast where we talk business in the shop and help you monetize as a maker. Each week we cover business topics to help you grow your full-time business or your side hustle. We'll also bring you interviews from a variety of people winning in their space to share valuable business insights and life lessons. I'm Brad Rodriguez, a full-time content creator running FixThisBuildThat.com, and my co-host John Malecki runs a full-time furniture company in his content site, JohnMalecki.com. We've been growing our successful businesses online, and we want to bring you into the conversation and help you grow along with us. Welcome to episode 31. Today, we're going to be talking about the heart of any online business, and that's your website. And we're going to share our experiences about building our own websites and where to get started and what to look for and give you some of the options that are available out there. John, what's up, man? What you been listening to this week? Um, So I actually just finished a book up yesterday. It's called The Four by Scott Galloway. It was super interesting. It dives into how Facebook, Amazon, Apple, and Google have become what he calls the four horsemen of our world. And if you think about it, they're integrated in every little aspect of our lives, which is which is insane. But from a business standpoint, the book jumps more into the psychology behind why this is happening and why this works compared to the uh, standard top end business talk of, you know, they had certain revenues and blah, blah. So it was really cool to see um, how people think. And I was really into how a real marketer um, in the author, Scott Galloway, talking uh, as if he was implementing these strategies himself and what history did to show um, why things happened the way they did. So uh, really cool book. If you're looking into um, getting more into listening and getting more knowledge in that sense. So if you want to listen to this book or any other recommendations that we have, you can check out audibletrial.com forward slash made for profit for a free 30 day trial and one free book. Cool, man. I, I'm I'm just finishing up Content Inc. I've not been listening a ton because I've been on a country music kick. I'm Ooh. Like, I know, man. I've been rocking. I mean, of course, like that's kind of my bread and butter. But uh, I got I, I signed up a while back for um, YouTube Red. And as part of that, you get the free Google Play music streaming. So, you know, it's like any of the other streaming. So I can like listen to any country song I want. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And they've got a great country station. So, yeah. Yeah, I've just I'm, been. I'm with you, dude. Uh, we got what some new Justin Timberlake and Chris Stapleton. If you're into that, Ooh, uh, that just yes. released. And Chris, Stapleton, I like it. Yeah, Chris Stapleton's a beast. Check that one yeah. out. So before we go any further, we want to thank our new members that joined the MFP tribe this week. Uh, we had Scott Powers, Wade Tackney. Sorry if I mispronounced that, and Daniel Mower. So thank you guys for joining over there and. With those three guys joining, we are now over a hundred patrons. So we want to give a special thank you to all of our patrons out there. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate your support uh, and it's helping us to think about how we're doing the podcast. And uh, we'll be talking more about that, about what we're doing to kind of get better and Give, guy, give back more to you guys. Yeah. And to celebrate our 100 patrons, we're actually going to be sending out an email. So keep your eyes peeled for all of our patrons. And we're sending stickers out to each and every one of you. So thank you guys so much for signing up. And the first 100 has been great. We're really looking forward to stacking another 100. Absolutely, man. And if you guys want to be part of that stack, uh, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash made for profit. Uh, we would love to have you over there as part of the patron tribe. Uh, all right. So 
dude, what, what's been going on this week? I know we didn't cover it since we had the interview last week. So kind of a couple weeks under your belt. What, what do you got going on? Um, well, I finally dropped the, uh, not finally, I just dropped the outfeed table build, which has been going strong. Uh, really awesome project. I was getting a ton of great feedback from the community. Um, and it's doing really well for, for me right now. And I'm super pumped about it. Um, and as well as I am finally in the edit stages of the river table. Oh, yes. Long <laughs> um, awaited. Long like, awaited. I, I remember like a day back in, I don't know, like May. You're like, dude, I just picked up this slab yeah. <laughs> from, from, yes. from Gobi. And I'm like, sweet. When's that coming out? You're like, oh, soon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long time coming and, and it was a big learning experience. But I don't think I've ever been this excited about a video edit. Uh, the table, I'm just so pumped to share it with everyone. Like I've been getting so much positive feedback and um, everything around the table has just been absolutely amazing. So I'm, I'm really stoked for that. Um, and then on top of that, I've got two huge client builds coming right after um, um, one massive conference table. And then I've got this big old slab. If you guys have been following me that you just see in the shop um, and I'll be doing, oh, yeah. I, I had uh we, we did the base, but I had to get a lot of the parts made for the base. So it's not going to be a full table build, but it will be a, um, a top, a finish, uh, more of a finish tutorial kind of video with epoxy. And then I'll be using some mono coat on that. But yeah, dude, I'm, I'm just super stoked uh, rolling through some content and uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just crushing it. I'm just doing great. A buck's in there working right now, too. He's got a bunch of stuff going on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, delegation at its finest. That's that's awesome, man. Yeah, I can't wait for that river table to come out. I've been jonesing to see that for a long time now. Um, yeah, on my side, uh, I, I released, I guess it was back in the, when we had Jeff Mack on, I had just released the uh, board and bat and wainscoting, so did some wall treatment in our laundry room, which was fun, um, and really transform that room to it was like you know straight up contractor beige and so added a little character in there uh and then this week i am actually finishing up an edit on um how to set up a planer so it's kind of like a planer basics 101 i i was asking my my instagram crowd about you know what would you want to hear about a planer and it was just like I was thinking one video and man, it was just like an outpouring. I had like over 200 comments about what people were interested in hearing about planers. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to turn this into three of them. So I'm going to kind of do an intro, a basics and then and an advanced. Uh, it's kind of the idea right now. So uh, as you guys are listening to this, it should have just come out over the weekend. Uh, so that's that's going to be fun. And, you know, anytime you get to work with a power tool and just kind of dissect it, uh, I always enjoy those. Yeah, I mean, as we were talking about it, I thought it was interesting because you were telling me all these things that I never even think to use the planner for. So I'm actually excited for it because I thought I knew everything I needed to know. And obviously <laughs> I don't. So <laughs> that'll be oh, a cool yeah. one. Yeah, the advanced one. I think that's going to be the most fun one is like different ways to use the planner. But we're going to start where we start. And speaking of starting where we start, uh, website basics and thinking about what does it mean to have a website and or not what does it mean, but what's entailed in it? Because uh, I think that's one of the things, John, right, that we've talked about a lot here on the podcast is owning your audience in the sense of, um, you know, we don't own Instagram. We don't own YouTube. Uh, we own our email list and we own our websites um, by and large. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that because we're still at the mercy of somewhere. So uh, of different companies, because, um, you know, you got to have it, you got to host it. Right. So that's think what we're going to do is, is kind of start about like, 
let's talk about domain hosting and how do you physically, like, where do you go to get a website? How do you buy one? Where do you set it up? Uh, then we can kind of get into the type of website and what people are looking for and things to think about from a look and feel perspective. Cause you got to know all that going in. And then we'll talk about, again, some more advanced features about, okay, once you've got your website set up, what, what can you do? So why don't we start at the beginning, man? And I know that you're going through this right now and that we have gone through this with, uh, each individually and as well as made for profit. Why don't you start us out? Like, well, where do you get started? started when you want to get a website and get on the web. So I think getting started is going to tie back immediately into our uh, topic before we interviewed Jeff in branding and design. Um, if you, To get started, you, you have to have that locked in first. That's going to be my first suggestion. Um, it, I would not suggest starting a website before you know where your brand's going to go. Um, that would make it quite difficult on yourself. But what it's also going to make it difficult in doing is purchasing your domain. Um, if you're not <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> if you're not locked into what you want to type or name your business, um, it's going to be pretty difficult to purchase a domain that points towards your business. So, um, you know what? That, that being said, um, you do have to buy your domain or lease your domain, right? You can lease a domain or, or whatever. Yeah, I, think, I mean, I don't think you can physically buy a domain, which is kind of odd. Like who owns domains? Like you, you, you just register it, right? So it's almost like, yeah, you go in and I, yeah, right. So you, you have the rights to johnmalecki.com, but that is for, you can go in and I think the longest you can get it is for 10 years, I think. Uh, but it's, you know, minimum of a year up to 10 years. And if you don't renew it, whenever you end, it just floats out. Right. I mean, that was like kind of the, uh, the stars aligning with made for profit, yeah. right. Made for who knows what the heck made for profit.com was before we got it, but yeah. it literally expired, uh, right when we were looking at, at launching it and like, we just went in and scooped it up. Yeah. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. You and I were, were hunting on a, uh, we both use GoDaddy for a domain server. So we'll get into that real quick after this, but yeah, we were both <laughs> just refreshing the GoDaddy page. Like whenever one of us would hop on a computer and I happened to be the one that was just searching through. And you remember you were like, Oh God, you got it. Thank you. I've been looking for like <laughs> weeks to make sure it was available. So, um, yeah, where you're going to start is actually purchasing your domain. Um, and what that, what your domain is for, to keep it super simple and basics is the name of your website. So when you put it in the, the bar for your web browser, that is what your domain physically is. Um, so mine being johnmalecki.com, you have fixthisbuildthat.com. I have, we have madeforprofit.com. You know, I also have metalandwood.us. Now, when you're purchasing a domain, things you want to think about is how, um, is one, is it available? You know, cause the, right. The more, uh, I guess readily thought of domain names are typically not available. On. One and two, if they are, they are ridiculously expensive. Fortunate for myself, not many people want to be me. So mine was available and it was, uh, it wasn't very expensive. And, uh, same thing with, um, with probably, with probably with fix this build that I would guess I'm, being that they were fix this build that's pretty unique, you know, that's where you're going to get in a situation where you can probably get .com. Now, five years ago, .com, if you had anything else, you know, you were like right. shunned upon and looked at as like, oh, well, my, there was only a couple because it used to be just .com, then .net, .biz, .co, and obviously .org, .us, profit, yeah, and .gov. There, there were not that many. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, .gov. Uh, but now it's like you can basically get anything, right? I mean, yes. they opened up like anything and, and you can get, I know that you make something .tv. Yes. Um, and there's all kinds of different, uh, and I don't even know if it's limited at three characters anymore. 
I'm not sure about that either. So, but what you want to think about is how you can tie that into your brand. So for instance, if you know, you want to start, um, you know, I don't know, rustic fine furnishing, you know, uh, business or something, you can do fine furnishing dot rustic or think of how you can use that to your advantage. Just be aware that it is not extremely commonly accepted yet. And the searchability of right. it isn't quite going to be there, but long play, like we suggest, you know, it definitely is. So, um, when purchasing a domain, there's a couple places to do it. First, um, Brad and I will both suggest GoDaddy. That's where mo- we buy most of our domains. Um, I actually own like a dozen domains. I didn't know if I'd ever told you that. Um, <laughs> they get like real weird. Uh, and by weird, I mean like they're like uh, American made dot man. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I do I'm have going a, to buy that right now. I do have, I own build something dot us. I own build something dot, uh, dot net. Um, I wanted build something.com, but obviously Craig owns that. Uh, yes. and that was like a thought that was a pro when I was initially purchasing my websites, I wanted to have John Malecki.com. I have a, obviously I bought John Malecki.us and John Malecki.net. And then I, um, wanted to use one of the hashtags I was using consistently. So I bought build something dot everything I could that was cheap. Um, because of that. And it's just something that I own now. I don't really use it. I tried using it on another business adventure with some other people. But that being said, when you're buying your domain, if there's relative domains you can snag up cheaply, I would recommend it just to keep all SEO and search pointing towards your website. Um, and that, and that way, if, you know, anything ever comes about, someone's trying to fraudulently recreate your site, you know, they're not using one of those domains that's super close. Um, they're going to have to find something and change something, a letter or a number or whatever it might be. But, um, to buy those, there's multiple options. We got our favorite GoDaddy. There's, I think Google has a domain hosting buying service now. Um, WordPress, Bluehost, cheap domains. There's tons and tons, tons for that. Yeah, and and we'll also talk about some of these joints. So right now, we're going to start off talking about domain and hosting. Then we're going to talk about like the all-in-ones as well. So like you can get a domain through you know Blogger or Squarespace or, or Wix or these. Um, but yeah, that that's kind of where it is, and it's interesting. Like what you say, um, and I think you know I think we missed it, like you said two weeks ago. But um, as you're thinking about your logo and brand identity, and what I did is like I had a. I think I was just writing it down. I think, of course, I think I did a spreadsheet for it, but um, I would get the names. And whenever I would come up with a name, uh, what I would immediately do is check the website and then check um, the Instagram. Right. And so I check like and then YouTube. So I'd go out and see that. So as you're building your brand name, you want to see because that is that could be like a defining moment. Like you do not want to pick. Uh, like John, build something. Like if you want to do build something and then like all of a sudden you, you've registered. Now they've already got it all registered. But if, if Craig hadn't have already scooped up the Instagram handle, but they had a website, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that I would say at a minimum that those three are available. Website, Instagram, uh, and YouTube. Um, I actually, I think I've told the story before. I, I messed up my Facebook. And so I don't have, uh, you know, facebook.com forward slash fix this bill that. I, I do, but it's as a person that I signed up called fix this first name and build that last name and that screwed everything up. Uh, and so it's like, I build that. Uh, but it, yeah, but it, but nobody enters that anyway. Right. So that's things you really want to make sure you have. And, um, I thought it was funny, like thinking about the different types of names, like you said, John, like John Malecki.com.net. Um, and think about the, the websites that you might want and a, a website, I think for a year you can get them as cheap as like what? 10 bucks, John. Yeah. And I think they actually give you a free year. If you, I mean, I and a lot, lot of, of yeah, services. they'll have specials exactly. And and you can lock in. So I would highly recommend, 
so there's a few things just about domain naming is that um, the longer that you buy, the better it is from a um, searchability perspective. So little known fact uh, is that for SEO, they actually go out and it's, it's probably not a huge ranking factor, but they go out. And if you've only, if your website expires, like they know how long your website is registered for. So if it's registered for only a year, they give you less weight than if it's registered for five years or for six years or something like that. Um, so that, you know, just a little tidbit. And if you can lock in at that early price, because what happens is that typically, you know, they get you at an entry level and maybe it might be 99 cents for the year or something like that. Uh, but then when it renews, it's going to renew at a higher price. So lock in that low price as much as you can up front would be would be my recommendation. Yeah. And, and if you guys are interested and don't have a website and you're looking for it, we do have links for um, a couple of the services we recommend, uh, especially, you know, like we said, GoDaddy. But um, when you when the next step after you purchase your domain um, is what's called hosting. And Brad, correct me because I am not the I guess I don't know all the jargon or inside ins and outs of this, but what hosting is essentially is where your site is located and all the data is stored, right? Yeah. So hosting is basically a, a server that's going to hold the data. So yes. think of it as a computer. It's a computer sitting somewhere that has all the information on it that when somebody loads it up, um, that, that's where it gets served from. That's where it's hosted from. Because, yeah. So back to the domain thing, you can buy as many domains you want and not have a website. Yes. Like I bought fixthisbuild.com. I did not put anything on it uh, for a year. And until I got, I know I've told that story until I got that renewal notice from GoDaddy because I only signed up for a year and I was like, hey, your website's expiring. And I was like, oh, I should maybe do something for this or my domain is expiring. Um, so, yeah. And whatever site you're on, it'll just say coming soon or it'll say whatever it'll say. Like you don't have to do anything to buy the domain. So you could also do that. You can just lock it up and not pay for hosting. But yeah, the hosting would be the server. So that is another thing you do have to pay for, though. So a lot of people um, misconstrue the costs associated with a website. Um, it isn't ridiculously expensive. It isn't cheap, though. And I and that's like something we should uh, precursor before you get into it, that a website is an investment. And once you're ready, like it took you a year, Brad, to get yours rolling. It took me a solid six months to get mine going as well. But once you get into it, it is an investment and something that is consistently moving and growing and something that becomes a factor for your business. So um, you have to consider that and that's, and you have to consider the the platforms that you're doing things on. So if you're hosting your, um, if you're hosting your website on the domain server, like GoDaddy, um, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you, you host on GoDaddy or have hosted on GoDaddy. I've hosted on GoDaddy with my, um, jam custom build site back in the day. Uh, but I, you know, I, I, I know we now both use Bluehost for made for profit and my personal site. Um, and that's just because it, you know, when I was using a web developer, that's what they used. Um, so Bluehost holds all my information. There are all the customer inquiries that I get for, you know, when I want to do something on my site, I call them or I handle them on digital and all that stuff. Um, and that's pretty much what the hosting platform is um, a lot of people. Uh, so to, to gain a better understanding, the next step is um, going to be, you know, your uh, I guess your template or your format, which is your we'll get into this later. But your Squarespace, your um, WordPress or your Wix will be the three we talk about. But if you uh, that is so your hosting platform and your template are two different things for the most part. 
And you, you have to understand that because your subscription services can start to stack up when you, uh, when you don't realize that. And that happened to me. It was like, Oh, you know, I've got a GoDaddy. I'm paying there and I'm paying on Bluehost and I'm paying on Squarespace and I'm paying on WordPress and I'm paying on (laughs) this and that. And then those things start to stack up. So just be cognizant when you're doing this, um, of where all your stuff's located and the certain costs that are go with it. Um, and that's kind of why you've started to see a lot more of these all in one type sites coming up because they handle it all for you in one lump sum fee. Um, most popular, I would say is probably going to be, be what Brad Squarespace. Yeah. I mean, and from a non WordPress perspective, but I think, yeah, Squarespace, but, and there's all, there are some free options. So don't let us, um, you know, don't, don't think that you have to pay because you can go to, uh, I believe wordpress.com and get a free website. I believe what they do is they limit you on what the domain is. You can also go to blogger, Dot com, which is actually run by Google and get a free website. Again, I think you're going to have the um, like the blogger one used to be like, you know, I, I could be fix this build that dot blogspot dot com. I, I don't know if they've actually changed that syntax or not, um, but there are free options out there. But you're right, John, like when you start looking at it, um, it, it can be a bit overwhelming. But I just pulled up. So I know that uh, we're on Bluehost for made for profit. But if you go into hosting, uh, if you're ready to host right away. Okay, so, you know, we said start with a domain name, but if if you want to jump right into it, if you sign up for a hosting package, almost all of the hosting packages are going to include a free domain. So if you can go ahead and do that and you're ready to pull the trigger, uh, then that's that's good. Like I just pulled up Bluehost, uh, which, again, is what we use. We'll have a link down below for it is three ninety five for month for the basic. And like anything, what you're going to see is that like when you start at the very basic, there's going to be limitations. But that being said, um, it's a great place to start. And the limitations are mainly going to be around site speed and how many visitors you can have and that type of stuff. So it's not going to be a limit on like what you can put on the site necessarily. Um, so for this one, like I'm looking at the Bluehost, it's, uh, you know, like I said, $3.95 a month. And that gets you a website and you can probably lock that in for a year and then it will renew at a higher rate. So, you know, four bucks a month, like that's Nothing. Right. I mean, I think anybody could sign up for that and kind of play around with it. So I would probably recommend just to go straight for the hosting unless you want to lock up other domains. Uh, GoDaddy is the one that I'm with personally on Fix This, Build That, which is very similar to Bluehost. Uh, And I do my hosting still there. So I have my domains there and I have my hosting there. All right. So we got domain hosting or we've got domain and we've got hosting. All right. And then you can package those together. Now you were on Squarespace, right, John? Did they, they kind of make that seamless. You just sign up. Do you pick your domain name and then like they make the templating and all that really drag and drop easy? Well, I had mine already set up. Um, so I, excuse me, I already owned my domains. Um, and I wanted to use the Squarespace platform, but yes, I do believe you can purchase. I could have johnmalecki.squarespace.com. Um, and that's an option from them where they host and provide you with your uh, domain as well. I think it also works on the flip side, like you said, that you can sign up for Squarespace and buy your domain. What's also really cool about Squarespace is like this is we didn't even have this in the notes, uh, but kind of in the um, next context of what you're doing as we get into the type of site you're using is going to be how you're managing um your administrative aspects of your website. And what Squarespace does is they integrate that as well. So we've talked about using the G Suite before for business and using um, Google and Gmail and using uh, Google Inbox and Google Admin and Google Forms and and Docs and all that good stuff. Um, Like a service that's all in one, like Squarespace has all of that there for you. And you can just click 
whatever you want there and it you know adds it to your bill monthly and i think that's a pretty cool feature there too is squarespace really does a good job of integrating everything for you um, and making it nice and easy to use um, but there is limitations like we said so when using one of these all-in-one concept host services uh, you got to be thinking about which is our next step and and that's the type of site you want to get into um, because you are limited in what you can do there right I know you've um, always been a WordPress guy, right, Brad? But yeah, I do have, you know, johnmalecki.com was Squarespace for a, for a year and a half, two years. And, uh, and metalandwood.us is a Squarespace site. And uh, that's, that's because it's so simple and easy to use. But there is limitations there. So um, your next step in what you're going to want to be doing is thinking about what type of site you want. And there's... There are so many options. I mean, like <laughs> you could you could create sites for literally anything these days, which is incredible because I used to always think of it as like this crazy coding and sitting in like a dark cellar with one light on and someone's just crushing <laughs> out all this stuff. But, but um, there's so much that goes into it. So you're going to be wanting cons- want to consider the type of site you have. And uh, we've got a couple examples, whether it's uh, do you want to have a content based site, a sales or e-commerce based site, a video site, an informational site? Those are the type of things you need to be thinking about because limit limitations based in these all-in-one type website hostings are going to affect what type of site you're publishing on the other side. So starting out with a content site, because we're familiar there, um, why don't you touch on a little bit, Brad, what limitations exist and um, why you want to be thinking about that before you start hosting uh, and what and then I can talk about how it limits you down the line. Sure. Yeah. So so and I know this is getting getting convoluted and confusing but there it's the next layer okay so you've got the domain which is your actual address you've got the hosting which is the computer that holds everything that is going to be served and then and i don't even know what we what we call it but it's like the interface or the the software that does all of that so think about it um think about it as your operating system so you can have mac operating system or you can have pc or linux or whatever um so like wordpress is is basically an operating system that goes on your host so again when you go to a domain and that is free so you can install wordpress so it's like okay i've got my address i got my host which is my computer now i've got to install my operating system um so if you're stacking it like that then you put wordpress on the thing with wordpress as and I'm just going to call it an operating system. That's probably not the, the right lingo. Um, WordPress as an operating system is um, completely customizable. Yeah, open source. And that's why I like it. It's it's open source. You can do anything. We're going to get to it a little bit later, but um, they have themes and templates that are stock in WordPress. So it puts it in there, and you can um, you know put in and customize it how you want, but it, uh, within a certain amount of bounds. Uh, and so that would be the layering technique if you were going to go kind of do this a la carte. Uh, now, Squarespace is all in one. So when you're talking about that, John, just to, to be very clear for people, when you go to Squarespace, you get the name, uh, you you know, you get the website address, you get the server and you get the operating. So it's all in one. So you can't install WordPress on Squarespace. Squarespace is its own operating system, but it's a very easy and fluid drag and drop setting it up. So um, building a website, you can do it super fast. And I'm sure they've got all their own templates. Um, and and that tends to be a very clean environment. So when you're looking at, um, you know, like you said, so content, what would that look like? It depends upon what kind of look and feel you're going for, uh, because WordPress, you can do pretty much anything in but you're going to have to pay for these different themes and these different plugins. And, and, and it's going to take you a minute to get there. 
Squarespace uh, is kind of like, hey, you can buy it. Now they have a bunch of plugins and I'm sure like you go to squarespace.com, they'll have all the templates is that you can use it, but it's harder to get it to do exactly what you want to do if that's not already in a template that they have available. Right. So that's what we're talking about here as far as limitations. So when you go and look at a site, um, you know, go in there and look at the demos, like look at the Squarespace demos. And they're really good for, um, you know, product because it is so clean and, and easy. Uh, but if you're trying to do like a site that looks like mine, which is more of like a newspaper site, if you will, like what you might see from a CNN that's got a bunch of articles all over the place. And it's it's very content heavy. Um, that's not necessarily what what Squarespace is built for. Yeah. And I would um, I'd also. I would kind of assimilate it to WordPress being like an open source Android concept where you can have a lot of development done around the core coding. Squarespace is more like an Apple where you can't do yes. everything you want to be doing um, if you're into tweaking little things here and there. But it is, you know, squeaky clean, super easy to use, super easy to get set up, super easy to implement and get out there. Um, and then you have like Wix, which would be like, I would say, a super basic um, style, which would be like your next form. So the limitations coming into it, you're going to find are going to be in, uh, kind of what Brad said, uh, with, if you want to, if you want to drag, you know, your, uh, something in layout into a certain place, you don't have those abilities as much as you do in, um, in Squarespace as you would in WordPress In WordPress, you could, you could literally go into the coding and do things if you'd like. Um, but there is, there's, there's a lot of good software out there in WordPress that helps you lay out and template things. But like Squarespace, it's there for you. It's like, you know, photo, uh, you could put image box, photo box, you could put a form, whatever it might be. Uh, but it doesn't have a ton of flexibility. So, you know, those high end templated type sites like Squarespace and, and, and Wix as well. Wix is just a much simpler um, and very easy to get off the ground type website. Um, you also have your, your e-commerce sites that are based solely in selling. Um, and those are also great for product um, that I would suggest. And that would be more of your Shopify or like a big commerce. Um, those sites, you can integrate blog features with a site that's coded specifically for selling product. And um, and they're also very, very easy to drag and drop and upload templates and include uh, forms and, and do a lot. A lot of the big retailers you'll see out there um, are using Shopify uh, ironically, like, and it, and it's, it's funny to look at it because you would think they'd have this massively customized site when it's, it's a Shopify template that has a blog on the front end, uh, landing page, and then there's all their product listings. And, uh, and so huh, it's going from step, you know, one where we're, you need to consider where you're starting and hosting. Um, step two is, you know, your goal has to be set. My biggest issue when I got started was I didn't really have a clear cut direction on where I wanted my website to go. I just wanted something to put stuff out there. And then what it turned into for me was I had a content site and then I had my videos embedded and then I had the products I had for sale and then I had a merchandise site and then I had an inquiry side and it just became like ridiculously overloaded with what was happening and it wasn't very clean and it wasn't very clean, um, objectively for what I wanted to do as a business or for functionality purposes and what I wanted to do. So um, from that sense, you know, uh, I, I decided to switch my content over to a WordPress site. And, uh, and I've had a pretty solidly good experience with that. But um, if I would have thought about that beforehand, it would probably be much, much better. Uh, and I continue to use Squarespace for kind of a portfolio site because 
Um, it is so easy to use and upload and update. And I think it looks great on mobile as well. Um, and, and I had a very pleasurable experience with it and continue to, and the, hence why I use both. Yeah. I think one of the biggest things that, um, one of the biggest things about Squarespace, uh, WordPress versus Squarespace is the lack of plugins. Yes. Right. So, um, I mean, again, as we as we talk about this, I think the Apple versus Android is a is a great is a great way to look at it, because like with Android, you can just do so much more and you can you know, you can root an Android phone and put on custom skins and all this stuff and and do all these things and and get it to exactly what you want. Uh, but an Apple phone is always going to work and it's going to look good and it's going to be functioning easy and it's going to be a clean experience. That is the differentiation. That That is the biggest thing. Like I, I would just, I went on to Squarespace. Um, I don't even think Squarespace, you can necessarily do sidebars or at least they don't make it easy or they don't really condone it. So I think like that's when you think about, if you go to like, you know, wherever, Fox or CNN or, or wherever, like one of these news sites, you're going to typically see, uh, a sidebar going down the right that might have all kinds of different things, but it's got a bunch of stories and in different categories. And then there's a big header up front with the lead story and then different category stories in the, in the, you know, below. And that's, you know, what they would call a newspaper site. Uh, and that's what my site is. Um, Squarespace is on the other, completely other side of that. It's much more around portfolio uh, work. And so you can just like when you go in there, you'll be able to see it very quickly and get the look and feel. So just go check those out um, and see which one you think is going to fit your your um, you know content better. Like John said, just think about that in mind and do the research on the front end. So uh, when you when we talked to when we talk about that, about the look and the feel, that is the biggest asset of WordPress is that it is open source and there are what we what they call themes. So a theme is like, you know, a skin for like your your phone, for your Android. You'd put a skin on to give it different colors, uh, a little bit different button layout. Uh, so what a theme does is it is it's just a template. It's just like when you're in the Squarespace site and you're looking at the different templates. Uh, that is exactly what themes are, except anybody can develop themes. And there are, uh, I know John and I use um, Envato Market, what is it? Theme Forest, I, I believe, is yeah. the one that I've bought mine off of. Um, so, Theme Forest, what's the other one you use, John? We were just looking at that with the made for profit. It, it is Theme Forest. Theme Forest has, you can, you can, it's like the hub, and then you can start clicking out to where wherever you want, and you can get WordPress themes, you can get Shopify themes. Um, and, and Shopify is a little more customizable as one of the all encompassing. Uh, platforms, but on Squarespace, Squarespace um, limits the themes to just Squarespace development team. Gotcha. Um, you can't. Gotcha. I don't yes. think you can't buy a Squarespace template on like the Theme Forest or right. I think it's called Envanto Market. It's, yeah, it's an it's Envato Market is the is the broader one than Theme or maybe that's maybe it's reverse. But anyway, we'll, we'll have a link down to it. But it's ThemeForest.net, uh, and I just went over there and like if you click on web themes and templates. Um, and then you can see all the different options it has on there. And it's just like crazy. Yeah. Like on e-commerce, they've got, you know, big commerce, uh, that's not big cartel, but, uh, they got big commerce, they got Shopify, Uber cart, Zen cart. I mean, they got all these things. Uh, and then under WordPress, what you can do is you can look at these themes. So you can go in and every single theme is going to have a demo. And so you can go through there and go, Hey, what do I like? And when you're looking at it, you can think, okay, 
do I like the structure? So that's the biggest thing that a theme gives you is the structure. And when I say structure, I mean like the boxes of where things are showing up. So when you first go to a website, you know, is it a complete takeover banner that has just one big picture? Or is it uh, a bunch of individual blog posts that are showing organized in some categorical fashion? Um, those are the things, you know, is there a sidebar on the right? Is there a sidebar on the left? Those are the things that a theme does. Um, and there's a lot of coding behind that and that you don't want to do. So when you're going out and finding the theme that you want, you want to look at one that looks pretty much exactly how you want your site. And then you'll be able to tweak and edit it a little bit like colors, fonts, a little bit of the positioning, you know, how many things are shown, three pictures versus six pictures, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, that, that's what that's going to be. So go into a place like themeforce.net and then look at the themes there because um, I think John and I would both highly recommend getting a premium theme, which would be a, a paid theme. And um, but they're they're fairly inexpensive. They're, you know, somewhere between 20 to 50, 60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you own that. So it's a one time purchase. And then you can build that. You, you basically load that into WordPress uh, or into Shopify. And then that is, you know, now the front end of your website. So now that's what your website's going to look and feel like. And then you can put your own backgrounds and color color themes and then menus across the top and and all that good stuff so um that's where you're going to spend a lot of time because i know i personally spent a ton of time i tried to make the um i did the whole wordpress like they do a theme for every year right so i think you know back then it was wordpress 20 it was 2015 theme Mm -hmm. and uh i tried to manhandle that into something that i wanted it to look like and i spent hours in days in weeks until somebody said, well, what about theme? And I said, well, what's a theme? Yeah. I didn't understand that you could go buy this already pre-made. I was trying to, I thought that everybody had gone in and like done the coding onto the, the base theme. I was like, <laughs> this is insane. I did the same thing. I was, my, someone's like, upload it. So the next step in the themes is going to be uh, what's called a demo. And you can upload a demo from the theme. That is exactly what Brad said. It's already filled with content as well. So you can see where oh, yeah. things are laid out. I had no clue. So I went and did the same thing with like the 20, 2015 and I was like months later realizing I didn't have to do any of that. It was already done for me <laughs> if I would have just opened my eyes and done another Google search. But yeah, I think uh, it's it sounds daunting to use WordPress um, because it of does. That. we're making this sound really, really difficult, but it's, um, it's really not. And what's great about it is you can affordably hire somebody to do all of this. I mean, I know if you purchase um, your domain on Bluehost. You, they can upload your theme and your WordPress for you for like an extra 50 bucks. It's one and done. And then boom, you're, you're out the gate. You're just uploading content then and moving stuff around. And like, you don't have to worry about input and excuse me, uploading and exporting and all that, you know, mumbo jumbo. Uh, you're ready to roll. So it is affordable to have somebody else do it. Or you could be like myself and Brad and think you're Superman and try to do everything yourself and waste tons of hours. <laughs> but <laughs> all the time, all the time. But there, I think that there's a lot of, you know, good and bad to not bad as much, but there's also there's good, there's better and there's best. And uh, it depends on what you want to do. So that's why you really have to hone in on that. You know, what type of site do you want? Um, and when you're looking at themes, you can look at themes specifically gauged at video. Like you can go on mm-hmm. ThemeForest and go video themes. And it has an unbelievably well done themes based on just that. Or you can go on, um, you know, informational or, or educational sites. And, and like they have things laid out for you there. If you want to do a blog, if you want to do a food blog or, you know, a cooking blog, like whatever, they have themes for those. Um, and they look great and they're easy to implement. Um, and they're also, 
you know, open. So if you want to add a sidebar down the line or you want to add an advertisement for one of your sponsors or, or, you know, some website or product that you love or you have an affiliate link or whatever it might be, like those are great opportunities um, that you have with WordPress that you don't really have on Squarespace. And that's right. that's kind of why I moved over. Yeah. And so the headers, so as you go into ThemeForest, it says 40,152 WordPress themes and website templates from $2. So there you go. I mean, there's if you can't find something in there, you could have somebody code it for you. But like you said, you're going to be able to find something that you like. Um, so maybe taking a step back, right? Okay, so you've, you've got the domain, you've got the hosting, you've got your operating system, which is either, you know, WordPress or Squarespace or whatever. Now you've got your theme, okay? And again, layering this on if you're going the WordPress route or it's all kind of one and done, even though Squarespace, you're still going to have to select a theme, but they're already going to have those populated in the site um, when you set it up. Uh, is like, what does a blog, po- like how, you know, I'm sure people are wondering, like, how do you populate a blog? Like, what, what do you do? Um, and so there is like all these are also going to have a back end. So there's going to be the front end that everybody sees. And then you're going to have a dashboard or a back end. And that's where you do all the settings and change everything. And your theme might have its own little dashboard within the WordPress dashboard. Um, but that's where you're going to build your blog post and or your product. So I would say the two things, John, like the, the most important thing is um, your homepage. So there's, there's so quickly to kind of break down and I'm going to do this from a WordPress perspective, there's pages and then there's posts. Um, and quite honestly, I don't necessarily know the difference between the two other than the, the, you know, the structure of how, how they flow through the WordPress. But a page is kind of like a page would be a static thing that's going to be there as a resource for a long time. It's not necessarily time-based. So like your homepage, your about you page, um, your contact me page, like those are going to kind of be made and they'll get updated along the way, but people will be going to those frequently when they come to your site. A post would be like, Hey, here's a new build or here's an update, or, you know, here's my musings for January 30th. Like that is something that is, is kind of a moment in time. And then you get multiples of those and then you categorize them and those can show up in different ways. So, so that's what a website is kind of made of. It's a combination of pages and posts. And then the structure of how those are presented to your audience is through the theme, right? So that that's what you're doing is you're making this content. And then the other side of that would be product and product would be more like a page as well. Right, John, it's basically a product page. Yeah. So the structure of it um, is it's like, okay, I've got all this information. Now, how am I going to disseminate it? How am I going to show it on the website? Um, but it, it's really easy. It's like a word editor. When you get into it and you're going to make a blog post, all you do is you start typing in there and then you'll drag in pictures. You'll, you'll upload files. You're, you'll upload a YouTube video or, or link to it, embed it, if you will, because you don't have to download it in, um, for stuff like that. And as you go through to make your posts, uh, it, that part, you can, you'll grasp onto it pretty quickly and you'll get a flow and then you just start making posts and then those start filling up your categories. So when you think about website structure, you know, like John was mentioning at the top, uh, what do you want to show on there? Do you want to show all projects or do you want to have a blog section where you kind of talk about your experiences in more of a text format? Then you have a picture format for your build plans and then you have a product page where you sell your products. Like I see a lot of people like that. They'll have a blog, they'll have posts that kind of talk about different things, and then they'll have product side. And all three of those can live together on your website. 
Yeah, so you definitely have to be honed in on what your goal is and what direction you want to take. My suggestion is going to be like, get this all down on paper. Like just, I say it all the time to Brad. I'm like, just word vomiting right now. Just get it all down, written on what parts you want, and then start segmenting and categorizing it until you can get down to as small as possible. Um, That way you can specifically target the aspects of your website. And this is where like the higher end stuff like SEO and AdSense, uh, and they start to come in. Um, and, and what that essentially becomes is, you know, how easy is it to navigate your website? Do you have 65 tabs at the top or are you um, or are you keeping it super simple with an about page with, you know, contact me page and with a portfolio page? So those things start to to play an effect into the functionality of your site as well as the build out of it. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I like that line of conversation. And so, you know, given I, I think we've spent a lot of times kind of explaining, you know, basic the website basics. But why don't we just kind of dive in and say, like, hey, as a as a product person or as a content person, here's what you know we think are the most important things that you should have on your site. I think you just you, you hit on it. Right. So I think in most sites, you're, you're going to have a menu across the top. So if you're a product guy, you know, just like John said, right, product portfolio. So you want to be able to show people your work. So you want to have a page or uh, a portfolio link on your top. So and when you think about it, that's how you want to think about your website. When you're thinking you want to start at the top, you want to start at the structure of what am I going to show in that top menu? So I think we're going to say portfolio. We're going to definitely say uh, product. Right. So portfolio would be things that you've already made and sold. Like here's some things that I can make. Uh, your product for sale is going to be like anything you currently have for sale. Or um, obviously, if you build, you know, build to suit an inquiry page, mm-hmm. right? And an about me page. Yeah. And then I think from a product perspective that, you know, you got the two ones that are really focusing on, here's things I have built, here's things that you can buy now. And then the inquiry, here's, you know, custom pieces I can build for you, right? That That's going to really tie in. And then I think the blog piece would be supplementary to that afterwards. Yeah. Is that if you wanted to start, uh, you know, give your customers more information. Like what are those questions that you always get asked by a customer? Like right off the top of my head, I'm thinking how to maintain a finish, right? Maybe how to size a table, what tables fit best in what spaces, like those type things, um, you know, benefits of certain finishes, color coordination. Like I think those could be really good thing, like choosing a stain, how to choose a stain, light or dark stain, da, 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 da. like I think there's tons and tons of of blog entries you could do that would help supplement like exactly what you're saying john like talk about things that are relational to your product yeah you want to use the blog or educational aspect of your website as a justification for your expertise um you want to talk like you don't necessarily have to put other things down but if you wanted to create educational content on your site to supplement sales things you could talk about would be um just like brad touched on with finish you could talk about hardwoods versus softwoods versus uh, talk about wood movement you could talk about joinery techniques you could and basically what you're doing is setting up why your products are better than others or what differentiates you from others um you know you could put everything from a mission statement to business goals um and events write-ups there's i mean it's a hub for literally everything going on in your business and that's how you should use it now What's happening today and today's day and age is that people are looking for simplicity and immediate uh, like reaction type uh, websites. So like 
They don't want to dig around on CNN to try to find an article from 2013. They want to see right. everything super simple in front of them right now. And I'm running into this on my site because I love having it as a hub for everything going on. I have I have blog articles from um, you know years ago that I was uh, that I wrote myself to stuff that I was featured in when I was playing sports because I think it's you know pretty cool, but. When I look at look at it from a business perspective, it has no relevance in what I'm doing now. And all it does is clutter up the opportunity for someone falling on my site to either inquire or purchase. Um, so you have to be looking at things like that as well. That's why I'm uh, that's why I'm saying dump everything on paper and then narrow yourself down. Uh, Brad's Brad's categories were fantastic. I think you can even get simpler, Brad, and go home about and contact in a minimal homepage is uh, going to be essentially the portfolio page, all of your former work or what you do, um, the about page, talk about yourself, tell people who you are. And that contact page is how they can, how they can find yeah. you. Um, and a, and a shop page if they have, if they have yeah. inventory items for if, sale. So if you're doing inventory items, then definitely you want to have those available. Even if you put sold out on there, I mean, I'm, and that, that's a little tactic that a lot of people like to use is that they'll do previous projects with specs, um, on their site that they know their their costs and, and their time into and they'll put them up there sold uh, sold out or coming soon or pre-sale or something like that um, and and that creates opportunity for the for the buyer to look at it and go oh this isn't available now but I can get it maybe again some other time or they'll inquire and ask hey when are you going to be doing a run of this again so um, right. th- those are good opportunities but at a minimum I would definitely consider home about and contact and then if you have inventory a shop page and now you look at your how you've been marketing on social, how you've been driving, you know, community on Instagram and Facebook, um, why you're building YouTube videos. You know, you're driving them all back to the site. And this has been my biggest struggle as a business person and a content creator uh, for the past three to four years is that I wasn't doing anything to drive people to my website besides using it as a portfolio. I wasn't really educating. I wasn't doing anything to keep people on that site. I wasn't doing anything to draw more eyeballs from a search point to my websites. And that's why I decided to separate them, sales and content, as well as I decided to put more emphasis on creating, you know, blogs that have properly formatted SEO, uh, embedding all of my videos somewhere where I, if I, if someone's looking for John Malecki, I can send them to my website and they can still see all my videos. They don't have to go from YouTube to Instagram, to Facebook, to a blog I did four years ago. Everything's right there. It's a hub for everything happening in my life. And that creates a great opportunity for me, um, to put people in one spot instead of having them all over the place. The more people are more likely to get distracted and leave if you have them going all over the place. Um, and I think that that's why we are advocating uh, website development so much when it's, when it can, we know it can be cluttered today's day and age, but definitely still has a lot of, a lot of legs. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, great input on the, on the product side there, John. And then, so moving over, I'll hit the the content side of, you know, what does that look like? So we know a lot of folks are, are trying to dabble into the content game. Hey, what does that look like? Uh, from a content perspective, you're going to you're going to much more be focused around the posts. So you're going to have that that homepage and that homepage is going to be um, basically driven off of different categories of posts. So as you start thinking about um, 
content and whatever it is, if you're if you're doing builds, which most of you guys are probably doing, whether it's builds or it's home repairs or, or whatever it is, automotive, any of that stuff, that uh, you're going to have individual projects. And that's what you th- should think of as a post. A post is a project or a section of a project. So if you do a, a large scale project and you want to make it into five parts, then, you know, that that's a thing. Um, I will say that typically multiple part projects do not perform as well because like you said, John, people lose, people lose, uh, lose concentration pretty fast and you lose their attention and they don't want to click through. Uh, but for the projects, whether it's scaled out or it's just an individual project and then you move on and the way you're going to think about categorizing and forming your website is around the types of projects. So you really want that. You know, we, we talk about the menu. It's all about the menu structure on a content site. Your menu structure should be a little more involved, um, but you're going to have in the sense of sub menus. So like on my site, I have my first click down is like projects uh, and then it goes into you know, shop projects, furniture, outdoors. And so it kind of breaks it down like that. And as you start getting into having, uh, you know, tens and then hundreds of different posts, you want people to be able to easily go in there and navigate. So depending upon what they're looking for, um, you know, if you tinker in 3D printing and CNC and electronics, uh, you know, you're going to want to have different sites or different drop down menus for each of that. So somebody can quickly get into that. Uh, And then your homepage is likely going to look like Uh, You know, whatever you're trying to focus on, your main focus at the top and then down below, you're going to have like your most current posts for each of those different categories. So same type idea, except uh, and again, as you build your website's going to look different as you grow, because when you get when you first get content, like when I first started my website, it did not look like what I have today because I just didn't have the content to support it. So, um, you know, same as I think we've talked about in in YouTube and even in Instagram, when you first get started, um, you want to kind of seed it. So you want to have a handful of posts to ready to go. Uh, if you launch a website and it's got one post on it, it's going to be really, really hard to make that look good for somebody to come on the homepage because you've only got one thing to talk about. Um, so that's the nice thing about, you know, on the product side, you're going to have your passport photo. So that that's the seeding that you can do from a product side, from a content. Make sure you've got, I'm going to say bare minimum, three posts. Um, and then you can kind of populate those. And so as you start getting in and as you start adding more content and then you, you do that first outdoor project and then you do that, you know, that first home decor project, you can start making these categories as you get more content to put into them and segment it. So yeah, the structure really grows as the content on your site grows. Uh, so being in that content world, and there's tons and tons and tons of examples that um, I'm sure all the blog sites that you're already familiar with and you go to, go in there and look at them, look at the structures and, and people do it differently. You know, some people do it by room, dining room, living room, bathroom. Some people do it by project type. Um, you know, so it's it's uh, kind of your choice at that point of, of how you want it to look. Uh, but, you know, I think it's a, it's something that's going to evolve on the content side. Whereas the product side, I think like, you know, your product site might look the same. It looks day one as it does, you know, day 722. Uh, whereas content, that's not going to be the case. Yeah. And products should be that way. You should not be trying to create ridiculous array of searchability, especially if you're like in that pumpkin plan mindset. If you're if you're really focusing on growing your business, you should be niched down as far as you can in order to create the best product you possibly can, the most efficient way possible. So for myself, you know, I I can obviously I can pretty much build what most clients are looking for, but I focus on my site on showcasing just tables, 
uh, beams and signs. Like that's it. And if you're looking for any of those, like hit me up. If not, if you want a credenza, like cool, I can do it, but don't expect it to be cheap because it's not something I'm, I'm focusing on. So, um, you know, from that end, let's I want to lead into how, like monetizing the site, like the direction of the site. Um, the reason you have a website is we touched on a little bit is creating a hub for all of your information, um, pretty much a hub around what's going on in your life. The next vital step that you need on a website is a CTA or, or call to action. Um, the whole point of this website is to centralize what's going on in one place and then call people to action. Now, if you're in products, obviously you're going to be want to be looking for inquiries and sales. And if you're in content, you're going to be looking for sales as well or um, an, a capture of some sort in order to retarget them with more content. That being on email. Uh, follow, share, whatever that might be. But you have to have a call to action on the site in order for it to to make it worth your time long term. Um, it's great to drive people as a showcase or a portfolio and be able to take it on the run. But it's so much better when they fall on it naturally and hit you up because you have a call to action or um, right there and something that's easy for them to do. So multiple ways to do this. Um, I'll do product side and let Brad jump in the content. But from the product end, the way I like to use my website is for inquiries. Now, I like to stick to what I know and what I do. I drive them to a form, which you all know from listening. And from there, I'm able to immediately speak to that person. So that is my call to action is if you're looking at my site, contact us, contact me. That's what I'm driving people to do. If you're in product and you want to sell product on that website, make sure people understand that your products are available, whether that's in a pop-up, sidebar, or it's embedded in the in the home page. If you're selling stuff, make sure it's there um, and that it's available. So one other, I guess one other thing that I would consider doing if you want to be in the product space is looking at large retailers and how they do it. They have so much science and resource behind, you know, where your eyes are drawn to and, and where clicks go and um, what people are, what's more, you know, likely to be bought and, you know, more marginal, marginal products in the top right and less marginal products in the bottom left and all kinds of stuff like that. Look at websites for brands that you love. And kind of model what you're trying to do for your products around those. And you'll typically be pretty successful. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it too, John. I mean, you know, there are millions of websites out there and, uh, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So go look at what you like. And, and that's, you know, go to, go to restoration hardware, go to pottery barn. Like what do they do on theirs? I mean, their product catalog is going to be far more vast than yours. Uh, but you can take that and, and kind of see what you like out of it and use that to your advantage. Um, yeah. So from a, a content side, it, and I, I like this part of the conversation. So, you know, how, what are you doing with your website? How are you monetizing? What are you trying to get out of it? Um, the content, you know, that's, what you are is you're a content provider and you're trying to serve your audience and educate them and or entertain them. So you're providing value in some form to your audience. So typically what that's going to look like is what are your new and best products? You want them to click on your website. If, if it's somebody brand new, they got there either because somebody told them about it or they were searching for something and you came up as a viable source for that knowledge. 
So when they see that, they're going there for a reason, more than likely. Um, and so you want to serve that need. So maybe that's your your newest project, right? And so your newest project is going to be up there right in your, in your header. Uh, that's kind of the call to action. Hey, check out my newest project. And that's how mine is set up. I have a, a big grid at the top that has the, my latest five projects. So if you're there and you're a frequent visitor of mine and you just come to my, my webpage, you haven't been there in a couple of weeks, you can go, oh, here's some new projects that he's done since then. And then... From there, the idea is to keep them on your site uh, is, is because you want to give them more information. You're trying to serve their needs. It's like, oh, well, if you're interested in a, a coffee table, hey, I also made a side table. You like the side table? I also did a couch. You like the couch? You know, you probably need something to build that in. Go check out the shop projects. And, you know, it's not as much of a call to action, but it's just being there. So the nice thing about WordPress that I really enjoy is, is the sidebar. And the sidebar is, you know, the main content is kind of in the left two thirds of the of the page. And then your sidebar is the that right third. And on my sidebar, I will have um, different projects. So I have I think on my sidebar is like my most popular posts. So if somebody just comes in some random post, I'm going to show them, hey, here's the things that are most popular on my website. So these resonate the best with my audience. Maybe you want to go check those out. Then there's another one that's the latest one. So people are going to, uh, you have to think about that too. And that's, I think, a really important point is that, especially as a content person, um, a lot, and I don't know the numbers, but I would say at least half uh, are going to come to a specific post. So the first thing they're going to see is a post, not your homepage. So you need to be able to direct them either back to your homepage or to other areas through the post page. And that's where the sidebar comes in handy. Um and then the other thing, obviously, from monetization perspective, is the sidebar is a great place for ads and ad revenue. And um, I don't think we're I don't think we'll jump into that too much today, John, because I think there's that's a, a topic we can really dive deep on. Um, but that is, you know, a very viable piece of a content creator's income is ad revenue from the blog, uh, YouTube ad revenue. So Google AdSense, uh, you can do that on YouTube. You can also do that on the website. And then there's a whole nother network of, you know, ad networks that are outside of AdSense. I do not use AdSense anymore. I use um, another provider called AdThrive. Um, and we'll, we'll dive more deeply into that. But yeah, as a content provider, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to, to grab their attention and keep it there as long as you can. And from a value driven perspective and give them, you know, as much information as they want to consume on your site. Yeah. And what's great about content creation is that you can supplement it with uh, other sellable aspects once you build an audience. So for instance, merchandise or plant sales or, uh, you know, ticket sales to speaking engagements, things like that. And what WordPress does that's awesome is it uh, allows you to download specific plugins to all these features, upload them to your site. You don't have to change anything. You just add it kind of to your, your header and boom. Uh, now you have a merchandise site as well. So there's a lot more uh, flexibility in the WordPress um, that, you know, we both like to use, especially for content production. Um, but there's a lot of benefit to both sides. So um, I think that's I think that's a generally good wrap on the whole concept of website. I know this stuff can get pretty deep and pretty dry, but it is extremely important. And, you know, we get. <laughs> So many questions about, you know, should I be on Instagram? Should I be on Pinterest? Should I be on Facebook? Should I be on MySpace? Should I be on Tumblr? Should I be on Reddit? Should I be on this and that? And what we find a lot is that a lot of people don't have websites and we can't put our minds around why, because you need to have that centralized hub for what's happening. Um, cause, or you could lose it. Like you, you could literally just have it taken away. Like Instagram could 
Zuckerberg could decide tomorrow that he doesn't like Instagram anymore. And then Brad and I are <laughs> starting over again on whatever platforms next. And that would suck. But at least we have the website that we can uh, fall back onto for content production and as a hub for what's happening. So, you know, when you're getting started thinking about what type of website to be, you want to make sure you're taking care of the little things first. And that's going to be uh, purchasing a domain. Uh, and then, then choosing your hosting platform and then deciding on if you want to do an all in one or an a la carte type of website build. Um, next, you're going to want to jump into what type of site do you want to do and what is your goal? Are you going to be producing a content site, a sales site, a, uh, a video graphic site, a photographic site, a portfolio site, informational, whatever that might be? Make sure you have that honed in before you get into the development stages. Once you're ready to go there, you need to decide on the look and feel of your site. Are you looking to do something that's extremely informative and a lot of content driven? Or are you looking to do something more photographic and portfolio driven? Like all of these elements really, really matter when it comes to building out your website. And you should have them planned in beforehand. And lastly, when you're developing your site and you're in the groove, you want to make sure that you're focusing on your call to action and how you're going to monetize this website. If you're taking it for a excuse me, if you're using it as a hub for a portfolio, make sure that you're including a call to action or some way for people to contact you in order to drive business inquiries. If you're collecting inquiries on social media, use your website as a hub to drive people for inquiries. Um, and if you're creating content, use your website in order to provide more content, capture emails, drive clicks, keep people on the site and build up a community in which you can later monetize with things like ad revenue, um, retargeted sales of merchandise and whatever else you can come up with that you think your audience or tribe would want to buy. So those are going to be my four takeaways from this episode. Um, I think this is some really, really good deep stuff. We're getting a little deeper here in the later episodes, Brad, I've noticed it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but yeah, the, the website, man, I, we can't, we cannot harp on it enough. Got to get one set up. You got to. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it'll be a hub. It, it'll be a hub for your business. And, you know, whether you're really good on social, you know, you still need it. And like John mentioned, um, it's always good to back that up and be able to have a, another connection with that audience. So, Tell the people on social, once you get your website going, spread the word on Instagram, spread the word on Facebook, on Twitter, wherever you're at, get them over there and get them signed up for your email list. We didn't hit on that, but that's one thing that you absolutely want is a way to capture. I mean, obviously with the inquiry, but there are, again, different forms and plugins you can do to put it on right there. You've all seen it. Hey, sign up. You know, there's pop ups, all these different things. Um, but that is a great way. Those The email list and the website go hand in hand. So this, it's a it's a great way to get that audience in your pocket, those customers in your pocket. So if anything happens, you've got a way to contact them. Yeah, exactly. So um, we got links for a lot of stuff. If you guys are interested in building out your own website, make sure you're checking out madeforprofit.com um, and checking out this episode. We will have links to everything from domain hosting to templates to theme force, all the stuff we've talked about in this episode. It'll all be right there in a little hub for you to, uh, to surf through and get as much information as you need as far as what Brad and I like to use um, for our websites and how we keep those in tip top shape and how we get them developed. Absolutely. All right. That was a, that was a big one. My jaw sore. All right. <laughs> We're going to head over to the after show now and uh, answer some questions for our folks over there. Again, if you want to 
be a part of that, you can go to made, excuse me, you can go to patreon.com forward slash made for profit and get the after show, typically about 15 to 20 minutes every week where we hang out with those folks and answer their questions. All right, guys, we will hit you up with some more action packed episodes next week. Yes, we will. See ya. See you then. So thank you guys for checking out the show. If you'd like any more information, you can head over to madeforprofit.com. We'll have our show notes as well as our email list subscription you can sign up for. There you'll receive tips of the week as well as all of our other actionable content. If you're digging the show, we'd love to get a five-star review over on iTunes and we would greatly appreciate that. If you have any other questions or suggestions, you can email us at madeforprofitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love any of your input as well as any of your future show topic suggestions. You can hit us up on Instagram at madeforprofit where we will be answering your questions and giving out tips to help you grow on your own social networks. So once again, we really want to thank you guys for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode.